We're in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 19. And um, do we have any kind of PowerPoint up there at all loaded? Because I see those slides. We don't have to because I don't really need a PowerPoint. So if you're online, I'd send a handout to you. And if you don't have that, you can get online with this audio video probably in the next day or two, and they will have the handout for you. But uh, by way of review, I just want to review where we've been. And, um, and we will be, uh, we're going to be in the book of Ephesians chapter 6 and verse, really we're going to be at 18 through 24, but I'm going to focus primarily on 19 through 24. And the first page of your notes are all filled out except the bottom. So this is all review. You can read it. Uh, and this is the finale of the, of the series. So we are uh, dealing with building the body of, of the body of Christ and the image and likeness of Christ. That's what the theme of this is. We started it back under COVID. That's how long we've been messing with Ephesians here. So it's been quite a while with some interruptions along the way. Um, and so it's been a while since you've been in Ephesians 1 and 2, but we talked about how Ephesians 1 and 2 reveals Christ's deity. Most people who break down the book of Ephesians break it in half, 50-50, and uh, I broke it down in three sections. One and two deals with Christ's deity. Three and four reveals the church's unity, and uh, five and six reveals the Christian's duty. And then um, I've listed out really the the outline that I've come up with for the entire book of Ephesians. It's not uh, the same as you'll get from um, Schofield, but it's it's the Brian Hedges outline. So... Uh, Ephesians 1 and 2, you see Paul's introduction. Ephesians 1, uh, 3 through 14, we saw Christ's blessings to us. Uh, now, we're going to tie in to what Paul does in Ephesians 1, 15 through 23, as he prays for us. Uh, he does a lot of praying. You see in 3, 13 through 21, there was intercession for the body of Christ. So we're going to be talking about prayer tonight. Uh, we talk about, in Ephesians 2, very incredible passage, right? And you hath he quickened, who is dead in trespasses and sins. So, we talked about being quickened from death and quickened in Christ and what that means to us that we no longer walk uh, in, that, in, that, uh, uh, in, in the uh, dead works, but now we're alive in Christ. And so we saw in uh, verses 11 through 12 that not only is our, our life renewed, but our understanding of our identity in relation to Christ's deity is also renewed. So we start to understand who we are in Christ after we get quickened. We don't go back to the world. Then we got to chapter 3, and we saw the revelation to the body of Christ and uh, an intercession for the body of Christ. Now, that was some pretty meaty doctrinal discussions going on there in verses uh, 1 and 12 and 13 through 21. And then in chapter 4, it starts to get real practical when we deal with the unity of the body of Christ, the diversity of the gifts to the body of Christ, and the responsibility of the members of the body of Christ. To walk like Christ, Ephesians 5, 21 Wed like Christ in Ephesians 5.22-23, dealing with that great mystery of Christ in the church. And that brought us to Ephesians 6, uh, which is not where we're going. That's really where we've been, um, where we talked about waxing strong in Christ and then warring like Christ. And tonight, the blank there is win the peace, um, win the peace through Christ. So, um, so I want to make sure that you guys are up to speed there. So we've just covered, we've flew on, flown over the entire book of Ephesians chapter 6. So tonight, uh, as we conclude Ephesians 6, and really the entire study of Ephesians, we started the new year in this chapter uh, in our study, and we've finally drawn to a close. So God has revealed the stages of a Christian's development through this chapter in a similar manner as we would find in 1 John. Anybody know the three 
aspects of uh, spiritual growth that you see in First John? Anybody been through how to disciple? There's three. It's really simple. It's probably the simplest breakdown of spiritual maturity in the New Testament. And on the identity as a as a child, as a, as a, a little children specifically, he says little children, and then he says uh, young men, and he and then he says fathers. So if you look into First John, and we'll be going there by the way, the advertisement after Easter, we'll be in the book of First John here at HBF, and uh, and so we'll be doing a study of that. But we'll, but he deals there in that in that book with with uh, you know little children, young men, and fathers, and you know that's kind of the progression of of growth for a man. Uh, in Second Peter one, it deals with another aspect of growth, growth not growth, growth. Second Peter chapter one uh, talks about faith, right? You, you're saved by grace through faith, right? We saw that in Ephesians two, and that now yourselves is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Right? It's the faith of Jesus Christ that saves us. So when we get saved, we put our faith in Jesus' faith because Jesus is the one who believed God at his word and purchased our pardon. So we trust that Jesus Christ has done all the work because he did. And uh, by faith, by grace through faith, we're saved. Right, and so, um, and so that's an incredible place to start. That's the foundation of salvation. Right, That's, that's Jesus Christ. He is our foundation. But you can grow in, in, in that understanding, right? So the, the only you got to know to get saved is that Jesus Christ is God, that he died on the cross for your sin, that he, and you got to believe that he is alive. He rose again from the grave on the third day, and then he's coming back. And uh, if you get that down and you believe that he is, and he's rewarded them that diligently seek him, when you call upon the name of the Lord, the Bible says you will be saved. It's a promise. You've got it. And he will quicken your, your dead soul. He'll bring it to life. And you'll be a new creature in Christ Jesus. Ephesians 2, 1 will kick in. And uh, you will be dead to the trespasses and sins that uh, used to control you. All right, so uh, so you can grow beyond that knowledge. Although, although, although that happens immediately, the moment you get saved, it takes you the rest of your spiritual life. Even if you're diligently studying the Word of God, you will still not... Uh, I've been saved now for, gosh, a long time. So uh, 90... So 30-something years. How many years is it, Amy Joe? 33, 4, 5. 34, you're right. 5 will be next year. 34 years. Thank you, Ron. Uh, so 34 years in, in, uh, in March 25th, coming right up. What is today? So anyway, I'm getting old in the Lord, 37 years old. But you know what? Even though I've been studying the Bible, uh, I think about every day since I've been saved, um, there's still a lot I don't understand. There's still a lot I'm learning. It takes you, you get saved in a moment, and it takes you the rest of your life to learn what happened the moment you got saved. And you're always building. So you can add to that faith, the Bible says in First Peter chapter 1, uh, you can add virtue. And uh, in virtue, what is virtue, by the way? I don't know either. You'll have to look it up. No, I'm just kidding. So virtue, I had to do a word study on virtue back in, uh, in sheep herder school, back when I was at KCBT. And uh, if you, uh, one of the definitions of virtue is power. The virtuous woman, right? She has, she's a powerful woman. Um, and so uh, when Jesus, remember when the woman with an issue of blood touched the hem of his garment, the virtue went out of me. What went out of him? Power went out of him. And so um, obviously it has to do with character as well, a virtuous, uh, someone who is, they're very authentic. They are what they are. They say what they mean and they believe what they the, the word of God says, but so you can add to faith virtue, right? Um, and by the way, the first virtue you can add to your faith 
is the very power that got you saved. Just for those, if you're watching online, maybe you're a young Christian or maybe you're here and you're a young Christian. If you want virtue, Paul says in Romans chapter 1 that the gospel, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ is the power of God unto salvation. And so the first thing I always take a young Christian to is the gospel. Even though that's what they believe to be saved, it's also the, it's the message they need to carry. And so the first thing you need to do is grab that power, that virtue. And you need to get that gospel down so you can share it with others and so you can see the power of God connecting other people to Christ. And so anyway, so it's interesting how ver- following faith is then virtue. And then virtue, uh, in, and this is, just, this is just like my introduction. So if you're taking notes, great, but this is just kind of, just to set up where I'm going. Uh, but in First uh, Peter 1, it goes on to say that you add to, to virtue knowledge, right? Um, and then knowledge, we all know what knowledge is. Uh, and, then, uh, and then to knowledge, it says temperance. So you're not going to drink any alcohol. So uh, that's the temperance movement. Actually, temperance just means to be uh, under control, right? Having, having um, using that virtue to have control. So knowing how to control your, your, uh, your flesh, right? Getting under it and take, telling it where it's going instead of it telling you where to go. And then after temperance, right? There's, there's faith, there's virtue, there's knowledge, there's temperance, there's patience, and there's godliness, right? So you add to temperance, patience. So it's kind of like the other end. Temperance is you being under control of yourself. Patience is <laughs> being under control when the circumstances around you are not going well, right? When you're suffering like Job in the book of Job. Uh, and being patient and enduring hardness as a good soldier. And then there, to that is godliness, right? Because that's what Jesus did. He endured the contradiction of sinners against himself. He showed patience uh, because he was waiting for the joy that was before him. And so, uh, so we have, uh, we have uh, add to our faith virtue, virtue, knowledge, to, temp- to knowledge, temperance, to temperance, patience, to patience, godliness. And then uh, down here at the end, or on top of that, uh, you know, wonderful list, is brotherly kindness. Add to godliness, brotherly kindness, and then adding to brotherly kindness. What's the last one? That's right, charity. And charity, what's it say about charity? What's the promise there? If these things be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall never be barren and unfruitful in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, but you shall never fall either. So they stabilize you. They, they also do make you fruitful, and they stabilize us, so we're stable. we got a good foundation. Okay, so you can see there, so in First John, you have young children, you have young men, and you got fathers, and that's a kind of a process of growth. In First Peter, you got this kind of a more of a cerebral kind of mindset. It, it deals with the internal workings, the coupling of the Spirit of God, God in you but coming out of you as you develop. It's more of a spiritual uh, mindset towards uh, development. And then Ephesians, I believe, the reason I bring all these up is you get different looks at the spiritual growth process. Uh, you can go back in the Old Testament as we teach in our discipleship, how to disciple class, I think, and D2. And you can, you can even look at spiritual growth in the concept of how Israel, you know, was, was taken from Egypt, entered the promised land, developed into a nation, and all those promises that God fulfilled in the process there as well. That's a type in the Old Testament. But in Ephesians 6, there's a similar pattern here that we see. Uh, and it's different in, in aspects of spiritual maturation. Uh, it deals with really what I'm calling the vocation of a Christian, right? And so I've got all that in, uh, filled out for you except the middle attributes. And we've already touched on this, so it's no surprise. I just wanted to finish this off because I left off and kind of because of the armor of God, I kind of dropped off the, the structure 
uh, of spiritual growth and development and, and, and kind of drilled down on the armor of God last week. So I want to get back to kind of the bigger picture of Ephesians 6 in regard to spiritual growth and development. And so in Ephesians 4, verse 1, you, you'll remember that the, the Paul says there, he says, I therefore the prisoner of the Lord beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called. And when we think of vocation today, we think about your job. That's what we think of, right? Walk worthy of the vocation, your calling. What is it that God's called you to do? You've got a job to do. Every Christian has a job to do. Uh, well, that requires maturation, right? A, a young little child can't do the same thing as a young man or a father. Uh, if you have to have an aptitude for some sort of discipline in your vocation or your profession, right, you're not able to do it until you get the, the, the training, the apprenticeship, the uh, degree, right, the knowledge, the experience that you need to accomplish that thing, right? And so you see that process in Ephesians. Paul is taking the Ephesians somewhere. After he reveals the, the issues of the core issue, right, in Ephesians 5, he, he talks about this mystery of Christ in the church, and then he goes into the, the very first thing that comes from a, a marital relationship is fruit, fruit bearing. And he says, hey, children, obey your parents in the Lord. Where do those parents come from? They come from that picture in Ephesians chapter 5 uh, of Christ in the church. And he says, hey, children, you know what you need to be? Uh, you need an attribute in your life. What do you, got, what do you think that attribute is? About every parent here knows it. Children obey yeah the attribute is obedience right that's the first that's what a child has to learn is obedience so if you're a child of god but you're not obedient you're not fit to be a child of god though you are a child of god right that's the it doesn't matter oh i I just love god well you don't love god if you don't keep his commandments right so obedience is the bottom line that's where it all starts and so that's what we see in ephesians 6 1 through 3 and that's what we saw and we talked a lot about that ephesians 6 4 uh, Paul turns his attention to a father, right? And so the father, what's, what's the admonition to the father there? Anybody remember? Well, it's right there. What's that? Right, provoke them not and bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. So don't, don't be provocative and make sure you're, the opposite of that is the nurture, right? So don't destroy your children, but nurture them. Grow them up. Not build them up, but grow them up. Um, and so... Uh, so nurturing is the is what I would have in the attribute there. Nurturing is what he's looking for of a father. And so uh, are you nurturing children? Are you giving them what they need to grow, right? Uh, there are times to tear down, but when you have children, it's the time to grow them up, not tear them down. Uh, that doesn't mean there aren't things that have to be dealt with, but I'm just saying uh, it, the, the nurturing aspect is what God's looking for there. And so if you have fruit, you need to grow the fruit. That's the first thing in discipleship, right? It's one thing to make babies. It's another thing to raise them, right? So our, our world is full of people that are, not, that are happy to make children. And if they don't kill them at the abortion clinic, uh, then they oftentimes will abandon them and leave it to, to someone else to, to raise them. Uh, and there's, always, there's always extenuating circumstances, so I want to just be careful with that statement there. One of the most noblest things, as we are the recipients of two children that have been adopted, is for a woman to understand... Uh, her limitations and and give her child up for adoption so i want to be careful how i say that so you understand what i mean by that i'm not talking about that i'm talking about a a negligent situation where uh, there there is no one to take responsibility and uh, they don't want to right and and so we are here to help people like that too right so here at hbf we have people right here every week that are, are, are trusting christ to pull them out of that situation so that they can get their life back in track so that they can get their children back in their custody so that they can raise them in the way they should go. 
And, uh, and so Jesus is the answer to that equation as well. That's a nurturing thing. You want to grow them up. You want them to be grown up. Okay, I want to be clear on that point. Um, so Ephesians chapter 6 and 5 through 8, then we saw the servants, right? They also need to be obedient to their masters, right? Not with eye-pleasing, um, right? But uh, with, with fear and trembling and singleness of the heart as under Christ. So they need to be faithful. But the word I put there is patient. I should have put faithful, but I'm saving that for the last one. So, uh, they, but they got to be patient as a servant uh, and, and make sure their, their fidelity is to um, the master uh, and uh, to the Lord Jesus Christ, knowing that God is ultimately who they're serving. And then the next one is the master, right? There's not a lot said about him. And, the, and you masters, right, you should already understand this. Do the same things unto them, right? Be obedient, be nurturing, and, and understand that uh, you're serving me and not men, right? That's basically what he tells them. So that those guys need to be, uh, they need to have temperance. They need to be, and they need to be humble. It's humble. You could hit, I think when I taught it, I put humble, humility there, but I put temperance here. So they need to be under control as a master. All right, and then the last one is, uh, well, not the last one, but the, almost the last one is a soldier, which everyone knows in Ephesians 6 about soldiers, and that they, they have to be godly, no doubt about that, and full of faith as well. And then Ephesians six nineteen through 24 is that ambassador. So you have a child, a father, a servant, a master, a soldier, an ambassador. And you can see, um, you can see a, a development there of maturation that's required to go from a child to an ambassador. So uh, with that, let's look at our text. If Ephesians chapter 6, I'm going to back up to verse 18, and we're going to bring it down through verse 24. Paul says here, praying always with all prayer and supplication uh, in the Spirit, watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. And for me, that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in bonds, that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak, but that ye also may know my affairs and how I do. Tychicus, a beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, shall make known to you all things whom I have sent to you for the same purpose, that ye may, might know our affairs and that he might comfort your hearts. Peace be to the brethren, and love with faith from God and the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all them that love our Lord Jesus Christ in sincerity. Amen. All right, so that's our text. That's all of our text for tonight. And, uh, and so that's what we're going to be looking at. All right, so, um, so the first thing that I want to see here with the Apostle Paul uh, by the way, your blank there is win the peace through Christ. So we've talked about waxing strong in Christ, warring for Christ. But ultimately, at the end of the day, uh, a good country, right, a good nation, like a virtuous nation, nation is going to, they don't go to war so that they can continue in war. They go to war so that they can have peace, right? In, in uh, Ephesians, in the uh, First World War, that's what they said. This is the war to end all wars, right? And then World War II came. I think they kind of backed up on that promise. And then so... Since uh, Korea forward, we've been in perpetual war. And then there's a guy coming soon, right? Uh, he's he's going to be the Antichrist, but nobody's going to believe that. And so he's going to come and bring peace for a moment, uh, uh, kind of a Pax Romana, and it's going to be a, a fake peace. Uh, and everybody's going to go, finally. And then what's going to happen? There's going to be war. <laughs> so there's going to be more war until finally Jesus Christ comes, and he will finally, at the end of Daniel's 70th week, bring peace. Finally, peace. But a good war, 
Ultimately, the goal of a good war is to bring peace. So I got news for the United Nations. You know what the United Nations troops are called? Peacekeepers. The problem is they can't keep any peace. They just run around from war to war uh, because the United Nations does not have the power to keep the peace. Uh, and so uh, a human, humanistic philosophies will not keep the peace. Um, and uh, certainly a globalist philosophy will do everything but keep the peace. That will just oppress the people until they revolt, which is fixing to happen. And um, I, I mean, people just don't like being under the grid there. So human nature. So it's going to take Jesus Christ ultimately to come back and say, hey, we're going to put this baby back in order. In the meantime, you have the kingdom of God, and that's us, right? That's the spiritual kingdom. And what are we to be doing as ambassadors for Christ? Uh, well, we're, we're to be doing what we're doing. We're to be praying. So your first point is uh, prior, prioritize prayer. I bet you could have guessed that. Prioritize prayer. And uh, I, I backed up to verse 18. Coming out of this uh, this this uh, this armament, right, this warrior posture, Paul says here, uh, praying always. With all, this isn't this isn't for the ambassador. This is he's instructing the warrior to be a prayer warrior. Bobby Blaine isn't here tonight, but I know she's watching online. She's a prayer warrior. She's got like a room called the War Room, right? So she understands that that praying is spiritual warfare. She's really serious about that. Praise God. We need as many people serious about prayer as we can get. And so uh, so he says to the Christian warrior, we need to be praying always with all prayer and supplication in this flesh. No, not in the flesh. In the spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance. So you see that watching um, is, again, it's like a watchman on the wall. Like a, it's, a, it's a sentinel, somebody who is paying attention um, therein too with all perseverance again another uh, another mature um, soldier-like attribute perseverance and supplication for as many saints as you feel like now for all saints no it doesn't say all saints it says just the saints you like no no it doesn't say just the saints that look like you no no just the saints that have the same name on the door like baptist on no it says all saints so we're to be praying for all saints Right, period, across the board. doesn't mean we always agree with their doctrine. It doesn't mean we always agree with everything everybody else is doing. We can't even agree with ourselves. Right? So the bottom line is that we should have an attitude of, of perseverance and praying for all saints. That's what he says. I didn't say that. Don't get mad at me. I'm not ecumenical. I'm just saying what Paul said. Paul said that. That's what we do. All right, so uh, point one here uh, is pray always. Uh, pray always, he says. Uh, perpetually be in an attitude of prayer. Uh, in the temple, in the tabernacle, there was fire upon the altar in the Old Testament. And the fire on the altar, how often did they were they to start that fire? That's right, right. I gave you the verse there in Leviticus 6. If you look back, look it back with me. Uh, turn back to Leviticus chapter 6 in the Old Testament. And uh, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus. I'm going to have to get a nap. My tongue gets tied. Okay. Leviticus chapter 6, and uh, we're going to go to verse 12. Does somebody want to read 6, 12, and 13? i got to get you the mic, though. Anybody? Bueller? Okay. You're not Bueller. What's up with the Packers, man? I mean, they, oh, okay. That's, That's a good point. They're good, too. And the fire upon the altar shall be burning in it. 
it shall not be put out. And the priest shall burn wood on it every morning and lay the burnt offering in order upon it. And he shall burn thereon the fat of the peace offerings. The fire shall ever be burning upon the altar. It shall never go out. Amen and amen. Thank you. Uh, Thank you, Lance. So Lance just read that verse. You notice at the end of verse 12, Leviticus 6, 12, it says, And he shall burn the fat of the peace offerings. We're dealing with peace offerings. It's interesting. So these peace offerings are to be on the altar, and the fire, it says, shall, shall ever be burning upon the altar. It shall never go out. So this thing, that's why they got staves on that bad boy. They even moved that fire around with them, you know. So, uh, so the, the, uh, that fire is to continuously burn. Notice, though, that it's dealing with the peace, peace offerings. Paul's saying, you know, you need to pray. Um, you need to pray always. And, uh, and so we'll talk more about this peace here in a minute. That's really the point of the praying. It's the point of warfare. Paul's not going to war to bring death and destruction. He's going to war to bring peace. We bring life. When we go to war, uh, even if it's you know literally physical war, at the end of the day, our, our heart is to bring peace. That's what we want. We're, we, don't want to see, uh, we don't want to see the devil win. So it's noteworthy uh, that the lamp was also to illuminate the showbread. This isn't the only thing in the in the tem- temple that needs to stay burning. Uh, go back to Exodus chapter 27. Exodus chapter 27. And uh, does somebody want to grab verse 20 and 21? Exodus 27, 20 through 21. The end of that chapter there. At the paragraph mark. I think Dave does, or Shannon does, or Amy Jo does, or Lisa does. Remember that show, that lady would look into the... Who, somebody else raised their hand? Did you raise your hand? Oh, Jamie did. Sorry, we'll get Jamie in a minute. Go ahead. And thou shalt command the children of Israel that they bring thee pure oil olive beaten for the light to cause the lamp to burn always in the tabernacle of the congregation without the veil, which is before the testimony. Aaron and his sons shall order it from evening to morning before the Lord. It shall be a statute forever until their generations on behalf of the children of Israel. Thank you, Shannon. So you notice at the end of verse 20, he says the lamp is to burn always. Right? So the showbread uh, in, the ta- in the tabernacle or the temple was to be illuminated always, at all times. Remember, who let, that, who let that fail in the Bible? There's a priest that let that ball drop. Eli in, in, uh, in uh, 1 Samuel. And uh, when he let that happen, what came to Israel? War. Philistines invaded him, took the Ark of the Covenant. It was a big deal. And, uh, and of course, uh, uh, so God, uh, God wasn't happy at all with that. Those, those statutes were to be observed perpetually. All right, why am I bringing that up? Well, because there's one thing you can do perpetually, right? You can't always do jumping jacks perpetually. You've got to stop to eat, you know. Uh, you, can't, you, can't, you, know you can't always stand perpetually because you've got to lay down to sleep. And so there's some things you just can't do perpetually. But what you can do perpetually, what I can do, let me talk to me, um, what I can do perpetually is, what I'm supposed to be doing perpetually is praying, right? And allowing uh, and, and being in an attitude of prayer. So the adversary is in perpetual uh, accusation against the brethren. Did you know that? Uh, he's got some different types of prayers going on, and they're not good. Uh, in Revelation, Jamie, you want to grab Revelation 12.10? We'll run the mic over here. Um, 
this is an exercise outing for, for Lance. I'm glad he wore gym shorts. So, <laughs> uh, so uh, Revelation chapter 12 and verse 10. This is probably familiar to many of us. Revelation 12, 10. Mm-hmm. And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, now has come salvation and strength in the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of the brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. All right. So now just to be, you know, disclaimer, this is dealing with the coming tribulation context and the brethren here that we're talking about are tribulation saints. But, but all that aside, in a devotional aspect, we know this. The devil hates our guts and he is also accusing us day and night um and so this is dealing with the midpoint of the trib what's gonna i was gonna say historically but this is history that hasn't happened yet so future history uh at the midpoint of the tribulation the antichrist is going to actually present himself as god and he's going to commit a a desecration it's called an abomination of desolation uh spoken of by daniel the prophet jesus said that matthew 24 daniel chapter 9 uh second thessalonians chapter 2 so there's going to be this, this incredible blasphemous action of desecrating the temple and then calling himself God. Uh, and literally, he's going to be wounded in his head. He's going to resurrect in the power of Satan. I mean, he's going to be, there's no more activity outside of the first heaven. So the, the war, the, the scope of the battlefield is going to shrink to the planet Earth. It's going to be ground zero on Earth. And he's going to take on the form of a man, just like Jesus did, but differently. And uh, and he's going to be a bad boy, and he's going to be uh, and actually that sounds like it's a bad thing on earth. Actually, at that time, it's a horrible thing on earth, but it's a really good thing because we're going to be in the third heaven. Going, uh huh, we're getting ready to this this battlefield is just shrunk. We just got him in the corner, and he's gonna he's like a snake that uh, is cor- you know got his tail stepped on. He's going to be flopping around trying to get away, but he ain't going to go anywhere. Actually, God's going to step on his head. Let me be clear about that. So anyway. Uh, I say all that to say this, Satan, what, what's he busy doing? Well, he's accusing the brethren. So this is actually a, notice in verse 7 of that text, it says, and there was war in heaven, right? So this is dealing with war, spiritual war in heaven. And, uh, and so uh, it ends up that uh, one of the attributes, this is a victorious actual, this is talking about um, how Satan will not prevail. And, and one of the things that mentioned there that Jamie just read is that, that uh, he is an accuser of, uh, our brethren is cast down, which accused them. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. He's an accuser, and he's doing it day and night. He is just constantly, you know, just running this trap perpetually. Yeah, amazing. He's a perpetual trap runner, and so, um, so we should pray without ceasing. That's my whole point. First uh, Thessalonians five seventeen. You don't even have to look that up. That verse says, "Pray without ceasing." Pray without ceasing. Why? Well, man, because uh, God would like to hear from us, not from Satan, right? He's he's up there trying to accuse us. Uh, and uh, man, I tell you what, uh, God's wanting to hear His saints. He wants to hear from His saints perpetually. So pray uh, with all. I like the way it says this. Now look at back in Ephesians six in our text. Notice how he phrases this. And you probably have heard messages on this. Uh, this is a great, this little verse, verse 18, is a great passage to, to preach because of the way it's worded. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit and watching thereunto with perseverance and supplication for all saints. So there's a lot there. 
in that little verse. But pray with all prayer, not just always, but pray uh, with all prayer and supplication for all saints. What in the world is all prayer? Well, I'm glad you asked. So, um, you know, all prayer. Uh, what kind of what are the differences in prayer? Does anybody you want to throw anything out? Because prayer, well, okay, let's just let's boil prayer down to the basics. What is prayer? It's talking to God. That's the definition I'm looking for. Prayer, just to keep this super simple, is talking to God. But there is different types of prayer, right? There's different types of conversation that you have with God. Yeah, supplication is one. Very good. It's even mentioned. And intercession is one. Very good. That's, that's what I'm looking for, right? So there's supplication. There's intercession. There's another one. Starts with a T. Thanksgiving. That's right. That's another one, right? Supplication, thanksgiving, intercession. All right. Confession. That's a good one. Man, I was staying away from that. I'm just kidding. No, confession, right? First John 1, 9. All right, so that's what he's saying. It's praying always, but also with all the different types of prayer. All right, so you know, we got to know how to utilize prayer, confession. Right, even Jesus, when he gave that example of how to pray, right, he starts off with, with hallowing the Lord's name, confessing, forgiveness. You know, he's dealing with all of those issues, um, you know, making sure the Lord's will is being done, supplication, intercession, giving of thanks. Uh, and so, so this, this is the point. Uh, without getting too far in the weeds on this discussion, is that our prayer life should be, it should actually be, it should be intentional. Obviously, it should be always, but also different aspects. It doesn't have to be the same old thing. Uh, and that gets back to what Paul's actually saying, watching there into, right? Our job isn't to really be praying. And this is really what we need to think about as Laodicean Christians. It's not about us. We're watching in prayer. What's a watchman do? Yeah, he watches, and he gets between what's coming and whatever is important behind him. He's only important because he's watching. <laughs> if he fails to do his job, he's no longer important, right? He's important because he's doing what he's supposed to be doing. If he fails to do what he's doing, what happens in the Old Testament? There's blood on his hands, right? If the watchman fails to blow the trumpet uh, and people die, that blood goes upon the watchman because the watchman's job is to, to blow the trumpet. So our job as Christians is to blow the trumpet of prayer and say, hey, God, help. I don't like the way. Okay, so what, what we often do is we go to the wrong source. Now, this is interesting. So there's, a, there's this thing called technology. Uh, we just signed up it, it for a, a new Elon Musk thing here at the church. I hope we get it. Uh, he's building a new uh, technology grid over the world, and, uh, <laughs> which really makes me feel great, uh, but uh, not really. But anyway, it'll bring Internet to you now everywhere. You know, just like some scary movie. But anyhow, so um, so what is it? Starnet, I think is what it's called. Starlink, thank you. So Starlink. So why did I bring that up? Oh, it's about communications, right? So ultimately, uh, it's about communication. And we know, right, there's a false prophet and there's the beast. There's Satan. That's the false, that's the satanic trinity. But Satan isn't God. He doesn't have the ability to be God. And he'll never be God. So he ain't going to do it. <laughs> so, but the point is this. He does have a faux Holy Ghost, right? The Holy Ghost, uh, is, it brings comfort. It teaches us all things whatsoever he said to us. Uh, it's, he's, he's, he's in us, right? Literally, he's able to get in your house, in this house, this carcass, this tabernacle. So I kind of think, 
that since Satan can't really pull off a Holy Ghost action, he's probably going to be using technology to as a foe, as a fake uh, Holy Spirit. And so that's all about communications. Why do I bring that up? Well, I don't know, because I'm just wanting to talk about technology. No, not really. Uh, I bring that up because this is what happens. We, yeah, I can see us. I'm talking about me, and not just you, but us, Christians, right? So this is what happens. Something goes on in this world, and you're a watchman, and you're serious about the Word of God, and it haunts you off. And you're like, man, I want to blow the trumpet. But this is where I make mistakes. I try not to. I, Amy can tell you I wrestle with this. You know what, what I you know what I like to do? I like to jump on the Antichrist, Holy Faux Holy Spirit, and start petitioning <laughs> the wrong I'm in the wrong I'm in the wrong place. I'm on the wrong signal. I'm on the wrong radio channel. Right? That's not that's not the place to petition. Right? Getting online in any venue to get on Starlink or whatever link you're wanting to get on so you can perpetuate your just position. I'm not saying it's even a wrong position. It's probably not going to help anything. You're just playing into the devil's trap. If you really want to make a difference as a watchman, then and, and I do, I do. I'm, I'm not saying this to be funny. This, I got I got to listen to this. So what do I got to do? I got to pray. I got to pray. Uh, not to the not to the internet gods, <laughs> but but to the God of heaven and the Spirit of God. That has to be my first primary prayer connection and you think well i thought prayer is talking to god exactly but you know what a lot of times we like to talk to everybody but god and so uh that's that's not going to help anything paul says you know what you need to be praying always you know all the time uh, with all prayer and supplication i'll get to supplication in a minute in the spirit capital s holy ghost spirit and watching therein too with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Your prayer, our prayer is to be occupied uh, uh, on, on the needs of others, a supplication for others and things. And so we need, to be in, we need to be in perpetual prayer, but we need to make sure we're on the right frequency, right? The world is providing a frequency that can actually take our minds and our wills and our emotions and rob us of our prayer life if we're not careful because it's so easy to get to. You couldn't do that even 10 years ago like you can now. I mean, now the reach is wide and, uh, you know, it just seems like, although you're being filtered, so it's a waste of your time anyway. But anyway, uh, so, so the point, you, you guys, are you tracking what I'm saying? It's, this is a spiritual endeavor, like a priest in the Old Testament. You, we really got to take prayer seriously. More seriously, I believe the church is not taking prayer seriously enough. Um, and and because, because we have other outlets that make us feel good. It's a false comfort. It's a false comforter. It's also a false educator, right? Instead of going to the Word of God, we go to just, we even say that now, just Google it, right? Just look it up. And there's a lot of info out there, knowledge, but it's not the knowledge we need. We need the knowledge of God's Word led by the Spirit. Okay, so prayer, uh, so there's prayers of thanksgiving. We've covered those prayers of praise, praise of melodious prayers as well. I didn't get into that, right? Songs and hymns and spiritual songs, making requests be made known unto God. There's prayer with intercession. There's prayer for supplication, which he says specifically here, prayer and supplication, praying for supply in the spirit. Lord, you know, feed my spirit. I need the spirit of God to get what he needs. I need to be thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Supplication 
and watching thereunto. What does that mean? With the spirit that God has given you, watching, being on your A game uh, with all perseverance because it's going to be so easy. You just, you know, you need all this perseverance because it's just easy as pie. It's not easy or you don't need perseverance, right? So now there's a reason this follows after being a soldier because you've got to soldier up if you're going to be a prayer. So Bobby Blaine's got it right. You need a war room and you need a warlike attitude when it comes to praying. You need to be a soldier. Yeah, Ron. Amen. And so the, he, Ron said that uh, for the spirit itself helpeth, helpeth our infirmity because we are weak. I'm going to talk about that in just a moment as well. So we should pray specifically, right? Pray for supply. Pray specifically. Pray expectantly. Uh, and pray obediently. What's that mean? Even when you don't feel like praying, you know what you should, should do is pray. You know, I had a friend one time that had to, he was a watchman. He was a sentinel. He was a security guy for the Marines. And uh, I don't know, I don't want to say anything unclassified, but, you know, when he was, I won't tell where he was at. That'll be helpful. And he wasn't at a place that we would consider peaceful. But you know what? When he was on the wall uh, watching, he, he would get shot at by civilians on this little island, wherever he was in the Pacific Ocean. And so, uh, and so he'd be out there watching as a Marine doing a security detail. And you had to be careful because here comes a bullet. Some jack legs out here in the neighborhood shooting at me with a 22 or something. You know, you gotta, you gotta be watchful. You gotta pray. Your job is, is to protect and, and to, to call upon the name of the Lord, communicate, pray always with all prayer and supplication for all saints. So we've already covered all saints. So pray like, well, well pray like a radio man in a strategic battle. And, and many of you have heard me liken uh, prayer to this before, uh, but maybe you're joining us for the first time. So in, in, a, in a combat situation, uh, now today radio is a lot different, right? You have, these guys are chipped and the radio communications is automatic on everybody's track. But back in Vietnam, not everybody uh, was able to have a radio like today. And, uh, and so there was a radio man. When the radio, by the way, that thing, he had a 10 foot tall um, antenna and he had a, with everything on, it was with batteries included, it was a 55 pound pack. So he's trudging through the jungles with a 10-foot-tall antenna and a 55-pound pack trying to keep up with everybody. He's usually a few steps away from the whatever commanding officer is in charge. And uh, anyone know his life expectancy in, a, in combat? Huh? Not high. What do you think it was? Uh, how many of you think it was? Uh, let's start off with five minutes. Five minutes? Okay. Not that long. You think it was one minute? No, not a minute. Maybe 30 seconds? Now look me up on this. I just looked it up before I came out. It must be right because it was on the internet. Uh, five seconds. Five seconds. As a matter of fact, the radio man was the primary target for all ordnance if you were a Viet Cong because the CO was usually near. So oftentimes, so one of the tactics radio men started doing, they started making radio men walk apart from the rest of the platoons. They had to go on their own so that when they got hit, the ordinance would not be near everybody else. Isn't that crazy? So I'm telling you, I actually knew a radio man. I don't know. How, he made it out. Praise the God. He's a nice guy. Uh, and so he was a good guy. But uh, man, I tell you what, guys, uh, that's what you are. So if you think that 
praying is for sissies is for the ladies on Sunday night. You just don't know what you're doing. Uh, you don't know what you're talking about. And you're not a soldier. Because a real soldier is going to be praying. And, uh, and that's why, you, you know what? That's, that's why the devil wants to take you out. He wants to take out those that are prayer warriors. I promise you that. But God won't let that happen. Because uh, God will take, he'll keep us. Uh, but that's why you need to have a mind like a soldier. Right? Um, I will tell you, some of our dear saints that are faithful in prayer, they, they are faithful not just in prayer. They're faithful. They're faithful people. Because faith, you need mature soldiers. Right? I don't expect baby Christians to be that strong. I don't even expect, I expect young men to bail out, right? But mature people need to stay in there, and they need to keep praying. I'm just saying, that's what Paul's saying too. So in a, in a combat situation, five seconds. When you went to training, by the way, they had a big number on the wall, five. That's what every radio guy got to see when he came in. I mean, that's, that's encouraging. So, uh, so pray, for, pray for others is one point, not just yourself, and that's, uh, that's the point, I'm sorry, not just yourself. So how can we help others in prayer? Uh, well, one of the things that we can do is not just put them on a list, but actually pray for them, right? I know sometimes people put people on a prayer list, and you're like, hey, how's it going for so-and-so? And they're like, huh? Well, I've been praying over a year for this person. You, that they're on the list. You won't take them off. What's the deal? Oh, yeah, I better check on that. I got a feeling they're not praying for him. <laughs> So, so uh, thanks for putting it on the list so I can pray for it. But really, it's good if we all pray for it, especially the people who put them on the list. And so uh, we can pray very easily by simply talking to God. It really is as simple as talking to God. All right, so we must uh, persevere in prayer. That is because prayer is difficult. So find encouragement in prayer. Here at HBF, every Sunday night, that's the best time. If you want to be encouraged in prayer, come to a Sunday night service. That's how our local church encourages people in prayer. It is a great time. Some of the ABFs also pray uh, strategically on Sunday mornings, which is cool. Uh, but also, you've got to find time to pray. You've got to make time in your life. So if we're going to persevere in prayer, we've got to make time to pray. So something that I've done uh, in my own life is I just got, I have certain days of the week I pray for certain things. Because prayer can be, it is hard. You know, people who think prayer is easy aren't pray, don't pray. If you really are serious about praying, you will find it is hard to pray. It's hard to find the time to focus. It's hard to time to find get your head in the right space to, to just focus on what you're doing. And I'm not trying to make excuses, but it just is. So you've got to be intentional, first of all. But when you're intentional, you also got to, like, how do you take this monkey or this monkey, this elephant, right, and break it into bite-sized pieces? Because when you really start thinking about what you need to be praying about, it's, like, immense. So here's what I do. This is just an outline. I would develop, develop your own outline, but this is what I do. On Mondays, I focus on ministry. And, uh, and for me especially, that's different than for you. But as the pastor of this church, I try to pray for all the ministries of HBF that I'm familiar with. Uh, and then on Tuesdays, the, the lost world. And then on Wednesdays, world missions. On Thursdays, the local church, meaning the, very, the members in particular, all 200 plus, and then some guests on top of it. That's about 250 to 300 people. That's a lot just right there. Um, and then there's... Uh, Friends and family Friday. See, all these kind of match, you know. And then uh, Saturday is state, local, and national government. And then Sunday is services. And so now I don't come and get in a closet and all. Uh, sometimes I actually do kind of get not in a closet, but I do have kind of certain places and 
positions for praying and stuff. But, but like on Sunday, for instance, I'm busy. I'm also tired usually, and I've got my mind just ra- rolling with all kinds of data. So, so I don't make it hard. I got a list. It's a mental list, and I just start walking through my list of all the churches and the pastors, and I ask the Lord to give me anybody that I'm not thinking of. I need. To th- I ask Him to help me pray, and you know what? He will. You're free. Oh, yeah, Matt Bratcher's in Columbus. Thank you, Lord. I'll pray for him this morning. I just pray for that. You know, and you just walk through. That's what I do. You know, you can do whatever ever you want. But what I'd recommend is you have some sort of methodology to praying because there's so much to really pray for if you're really serious about praying. If you're not, you know, just sew up some prayers and just say whatever and, uh, you know, whatever. And you can just keep doing what you're doing. But I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about people who are really, really serious about advancing the kingdom of God. And so, for what it's worth. Um, so praying, uh, and, and again, that structure is the one I use. You can use your own. But, but praying, praying uh, was, was serious and difficult. It was so serious and difficult for Jesus, right, that he was sweating <laughs> drops of blood. I mean, that's some pretty serious business. So prayer is a big deal. Luke twenty two forty four. I'm going to read it for time's sake. Luke, Jesus said, and being in, in agony, he prayed more earnestly. His soul was in such agony. He didn't go get a drink. He didn't shoot up, right? He didn't go to the internet and escape. He went to prayer. He took his agony to the Lord. And man, boy, could we learn from that. So I was reading this book. Uh, you might probably have heard, well, not really reading. It's audible because I really, I, I don't know if I could endure reading it. It's pretty tedious. It's called uh, 1984. Um, but there's another one that I found out about called uh, A New World, I think. And boy, that's a lot more like where we are. Um, it's, it's, just, it's just there's mechanisms to escape so you don't have to deal with God in reality. But the exact thing that we really need to do is, is go to God with reality. The agony, right? Not the wide world of sports. Dun, 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 dun. You know, vic- the, what a, the thing of victory and the agony of defeat. But Jesus was needing victory, so he went to the Lord in prayer. And he prayed in agony, sweating drops of blood. And he needed help. He's like, hey, guys, can you pray? Pray with me? And, of course, we know how that went. They about as good at praying. They were as good at praying as we are. You know, they're sawing logs. They come out, and he's like, okay, it's over. Um, I've won the victory. I'm out. So hey, get up. Come on. I'm praying that you don't fall into temptation. Jesus is going to succeed, but, of course, they all struggled. So praying uh, did affect the disciples. It was so strenuous that they couldn't persevere. Luke twenty two forty five. they didn't have the indwelling Holy Ghost yet. And when he rose up from prayer and was come to his disciples, he found them sleeping for sorrow and said unto them, Why sleep ye? Rise up, uh, lest you enter into temptation. Right? So, you know, if, you're, if we're struggling with temptation, maybe we need to be more diligent and persevering in prayer. So, uh, there hath no temptation taken us, but such as is common to man. Going back to the armor of God that we already covered. Okay, point B. So I'm finally to point B. I'll move fast, believe me. Ephesians 6, 19 through 20. So let's move on. And so so he's coming off this this uh this com this combatant who's he's instructing them, he's instructing us in our prayer life. But then he, he says, Oh, okay, so since I've got you focused on praying for others now, uh, I'm gonna give you my prayer request. So while you're doing that, while, while you're making, uh, watching there in two with all perseverance and supplications for all saints, I, I happen to be saved, so I'm going to give you my prayer request. 
he says that, um, and for me, that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, which I am an ambassador in bonds, that therein I might speak boldly as I ought to speak. If you just boil that down, what the Apostle Paul is saying is like, he's just saying, hey, would you pray that I can be the man God saved me to be? I just need to be the person I'm here to be. I need to be that guy that can open my mouth boldly and speak the mystery of the gospel as I ought to speak. I know what I'm supposed to do, but I'm asking for your prayers to make me do that which I'm supposed to do. I need help, right? Um, and so, by, by the way, point B is pray for preachers. Pray for preachers. That's what Paul's saying, man. I, I need to preach the gospel, and I need you to pray for me. Pray for preachers. Because they got to stand up, and they ought to say something, and it ought to be exactly what God wants them to say. But don't kid yourself. Lift them, and I'm not just talking about me, but lift up the preachers. Lift up Mike Blake in our staff meeting this week. Uh, somewhere else I was asking for prayer. Uh, but any, I don't remember. But anyway, um, man, let's, we need to pray for the people bringing the word, right? Paul's, Paul's not afraid to ask. I, gotta, I just found I'm going to be speaking at a discipleship conference. I, ask, I seek your prayers. Pray that I speak as I ought to speak um, coming up March 22nd, I think. Um, so pray for preachers. Paul specifically asked for prayer because he's one of the saints, right? All saints, that includes him. Paul didn't ask for physical things, right? He's in jail. He could have asked, hey, could you bring me my coat? Could you bring me my, my, the books? Well, right now he says, hey, can you bring me uh, this? Just, I, need the, I need the ability to do what I'm supposed to be doing. I need to open my mouth boldly and speak the mystery of the gospel as I ought. So we can all benefit from asking for these types of prayers, right? Who am I in Christ? This is the theme of Ephesians, right? This is our, we're discovering our identity. Starts off with this high view of God, this, this deity, all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, blah, you know? And then he gets down to the unity of the body. And now he's getting down to the nitty gritty of the war. And he's saying, hey man, this is who I am. I am an ambassador. I told you in chapter Four, I'm a prisoner. I told you in chapter one, I'm an apostle. But I'm telling you in chapter six, I'm an ambassador. And, I, and that's, that's who I am. So you got to know who you are. Who are you? Are you a child? Are you a servant? Are you a master? Are you a father? Are you a soldier? Are you an ambassador? Chances are, each one of you and those of you online, if you're saved, you're all of those things in one way or another. And so that's another way that you can be specific about prayer when you're asking for people to pray for you. Right? Uh, in different seasons, we need different types of prayer. Right? But the, his prayer isn't about, oh, help me. It's about, oh, help God use me. Okay? There's a difference. Help God use me for his kingdom. Help me get through to Caesar. Right? Help me to get through to the principalities and powers. Because I'm an ambassador. I'm, a king, I'm representing a king to a king. And I'm here to give him terms of peace in the midst of a war. And, beloved, that's what we do. That's what we're all doing, or we should be doing. He says, uh, here's my title, I'm an ambassador in bonds. And he introduced himself, as I mentioned, as an apostle, and he also introduces himself as a prisoner. Now he's an, he is a, an ambassador in bonds. And so point C, pray for powerful partnerships, 21 and 22, Ephesians 6, 21 and 22, but, but that ye also may know my affairs. I want you to know a little bit more about what's going on and how I do. Tychicus, a beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, shall make known 
to you all things. I got a powerful partner named Tychicus, and I'm going to send him so you can know even more because I don't have time in this epistle to write everything that I need to tell you. So I'm going to send an ambassador myself. His name's Tychicus, and he's going to come and visit with you. And that's not where it stops. He says, uh, whom I have sent unto you for the same purpose that you might know our affairs and that he might comfort your hearts. So he's sending him so that they might know Paul's affairs, but Paul is also saying, also, I want to know your affairs. He's coming with that purpose. So why? So we can pray for one another, so that we can encourage one another in the Lord. Because it's important to know that we're in a battle together. And it's not, and so we, it's okay uh, to know of our affairs, all the things that are going on. We need to share what's going on. Now, you need to be trustworthy. It's like when on Sunday nights, you know, we say, it's like Las Vegas, what's said there stays there, <laughs> right? I don't need to know about it unless it's something, you know, gross and illegal. Um, you know, what's said there stays there. And uh, man, you know, unless it, unless it needs to be reported to the police, it's there. Give it to the Lord. It's done. All right, so point C. Uh, I already gave you that, right? Uh, pray for preachers. Point C is pray for powerful partnerships. Let me run through this quickly. Paul was concerned for the Ephesians, and they were concerned for him. Paul sent Tychicus, beloved and faithful minister in the Lord, to give them a prayer update. And Paul was wanting an update from Tychicus so he could be comforted and pray for them as well. We have prayer teams, by the way. One of the reasons we have prayer teams is for this very purpose. We look for faithful men and women who will not just learn about what's going on, but then gather people around them for prayer for what's going on. And we hopefully build partnerships. We support them prayerfully, financially, physically. It's a big thing uh, to support uh, people in those uh, spiritual parallel partnerships that we call missions. So Paul was wanting an update from Tychicus so he could be comforted and also pray for them as well. He wanted to know what God was doing in their life. Communication is so important in relationship with God and one another. And so your communication should be based in care, not carnality. And that's a huge point here. I'm glad I, I didn't skip over that. I just about did. Our communication should be based in legitimate, heartfelt care, not carnality. How many of you know that brother or sister who just wants to get the dope, some, some gossip on somebody? Man, there's a reason people don't want to tell you nothing. Because you're not sincere. You don't care. You just care about what you can learn. You don't care about taking it to the throne. I promise you, if you're serious about prayer, people will have no problem sharing with you because you're so busy praying, you ain't got time to gossip. You're talking to the Lord. Or his, he wipes your mind out like mine. I don't even remember what I prayed for, but I just keep praying. <laughs> so, you know, keep praying. So point D, Paul's parting petition because we got to be done. Um, oh, good. I was like, my notes are gone. My parting petition is, oops, I lost my notes. All right, Ephesians 6, 23 to 24. Peace, uh, peace be to the brethren in love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all them that love our Lord Jesus Christ in sincerity. Amen. There's that word sincerity that I was just mentioning. So just two simple points here under that outline, which is brief. Um, you know, peace is what he's, he's, again, we're in a war, but we're bringing peace. Peace be to the brethren, and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So what do we want to see in the, the brethren's life? Peace. 
what are we going to get from God the Father? Uh, well, he tells us right here, um, love and love with, with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Really what you're going to get is three things, peace, love, and faith. If you say, you know, I just don't know what to pray for that person. We'll pray that God gives them peace, love, and faith. That's a gift every saint can use. Peace, love, and faith. Peace, love, and faith. You know, in James 1.17, the Bible says, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights, whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. So pray the Father that God gifts your brethren with those three things, peace, love, and faith. And then, I I love this, he says grace in verse 24. Grace be with all them that love our Lord Jesus. He doesn't just say grace be unto everybody. He says grace be unto all them that love our Lord Jesus Christ in sincerity. So that means, can you love him in insincerity? I don't know, but that's an interesting way he said that. Certainly, he's saying, man, I want grace upon those uh, that are sincere in their obedience if you love me, you keep my commandments. Those that are obedient to the word of God with sincerity, man, I just, Paul's saying, I just pray grace unto them. God's riches at Christ's expense. Remember the entry, the opening remarks in chapter 1? All spiritual blessings in heavenly places. And You know what he's saying? God, give grace unto those people that love you. Give them your riches. Pour those things out upon them. Connect chapter 1 with chapter 6. Make that thing come full circle in their life. Pour it out upon them. Grace unto all them that love. Obey the Lord. Grace, by the way, runs out for those who don't keep his commandments because they reap what they sow. So the real question it leaves us with, the question that Paul left the Ephesians with, is are we sincere? Right? And uh, and we need to be sincere. We need to be real. And so that's ultimately the issue of our identity in Christ, being who God saved us to be in sincerity so we can accomplish that which he wants us to accomplish in our lives. I, I missed a verse that I, I don't think, I think I forgot to drop it in there, and I'm, I'm going to quickly, just for reference, a verse you need to have for your arsenal in regard to praying is uh, 1 Timothy chapter 2. I exhort that, first of all, all, I wanted to say this earlier, all supplications prayers, intercessions, giving of thanks be made for all men. That gets back to, by, by the way, different types of prayer. For kings, for all that are in authority, that you may lead a, a, a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God, our Savior. So let's do that. Right? Let's pray even tonight. So when we win the peace through Christ, we can give the peace of God to others. That's what it boils down to. So Paul was really wanting to make peace with the enemies. That's why we are ministers of reconciliation, and we have the word. We've been granted the word of reconciliation in an age of grace, which is about to run out. You know who it's going to run out on? Those are not saved. Let me give you a reference. This is who it's going to run out on. Second Thessalonians chapter 2. I mentioned it earlier. You can see it right here. Second Thessalonians chapter 2. Just in case you're watching and you're and you're shooting out the lip for something and you think God's a joke. Second Thessalonians chapter two, verse ten. Well, this is what happens when you don't receive the truth. Uh, I'll start in verse five. Remember ye not that when I was with you I told you these things, and now ye know that what withholdeth that he might be revealed in his time. 
For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. And then shall that wicked be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. Amen, amen. Even him in whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders in all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish because they, re- here it comes, because they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved. For this cause, God shall send them a strong delusion that they should believe a lie, that they all might be damned who believe not the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. So I'm just saying. Paul concludes that very sobering passage and saying, hey, grace be unto all them that love our Lord Jesus Christ in sincerity because there's some who will not love our Lord Jesus Christ and they will be deceived and they will be damned. And beloved, that's why it's so important that we pray because it's a real, it's no game. This is a real deal. And I tell you, there's a lot at stake. There's a lot of riches, all spiritual blessings and heavenly places in Christ. So let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time to to talk about this ambassador, Paul.